from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us, America. I'm Dave Ramsey. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of the book Paycheck to Purpose, host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about jobs and careers and your life about that. He's with me today as a co-host, so we'll particularly dive into those subjects if you want to. The phone number, 888-825-5225. You jump in, we'll talk about your life and your money. Joseph is in Indianapolis. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, how are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Well, I had a pretty a, a simple question. Um, you know, I I always hear, you know, two sides of the coin. I hear sometimes people say you should make the most money that you can and, um, you know, get a job that just pays the most. And I've heard other people say that it's not about what you make. It's about how you live your life, your lifestyle, and what you can save. And I guess my question is, is, is it still possible to live a wealthy or successful life if, say, you're only bringing in maybe $35,000 annually? Well, it depends on how you define wealth, you know? Um, I will tell you that you can absolutely be successful. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you a question. Do you believe Mother Teresa was successful? Yes. Why was Mother Teresa successful in your mind? She did a lot of good, you know, and and uh, always tried to do her best. Yeah, see, the, the, the reason I ask it that way is because she that was her role. It doesn't mean it's your role. It doesn't mean we all have to go to Calcutta. But Mother right. Teresa chose to serve, to live in that way. That was her specific design, her role, her time in history. So let's answer the success question that way. Success to me is not just about work results. Success is uh, what am I relationally? I have a relational purpose as a husband and a father, a son, a brother, a friend, a coworker, an employee. I've got some relationship purpose in my life, but I also have professional purpose. So that's the success thing. Now, building wealth, uh, again, uh, wealth to me is not just financial wealth, but you can, well, we've got teachers that are the average salary, uh, not average, the median right now is about $61,000 in the United States. And we have a lot of millionaires who have been teachers and they've lived on less. Uh, they've chosen to define success differently. And as a result, they've put money away and they've saved, they've lived like no one else. And so now they live and give like no one else. So, uh, 35,000 does limit the speed and rate by which you can stack and save money. And I think you can make more, but, but theoretically, yes, you can be successful and build wealth. Earl Nightingale said the definition of success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal Mm -hmm. or ideal. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, so yep. here's the problem with your question, the framing of your question. Uh, you, you said two sides of a coin. It's not two sides of the coin. Uh, there are two possible outcomes, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, either I don't make a lot of money and I do something that I'm fulfilled in and I'm successful but, I'm ha- but I struggle financially, or I make a lot of money doing something I hate and I don't struggle financially. Those aren't the two po- only two possible outcomes. There's a third one. How about I do something I love that really benefits mankind and I make a huge pile of money? Why do you have mm-hmm. to make less to be satisfied? Why do you have to make less for it to have meaning? You don't. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a fatalistic approach to this whole concept. 
And so, um, so here's the point. If you make $35,000 a year and that's all you ever make and you never get a raise, well, you suck. You should get a raise. You should have some progressive realization. You should prog- you should have progress. You should get better at what you're doing and make more money, at least in your chosen field. So the idea that I have to, you know, somehow live at the bottom rungs of the socioeconomic ladder in order to be a worthy person or in order to be doing good works is simply not true. It's simply not true. So I choose none of the above. I choose do something very worthy and make a lot of money. I choose that okay. one. That's the one I want to choose. Mm-hmm. But but is that the only definition of success? No. I mean, we've pre-established in the conversation. Mother Teresa successful says a progressive realization of a worthy goal or idea. Oh, by the way, she was the biggest and and largest scale of her type. That's right. I mean, the number of hungry people, the number of people that were ministered to was massive. That's right. But not By commensurate the to the amount of money she made. Well, she didn't make any money. That's she, right. She took a vow of poverty. That's so exactly she, right. She didn't make any money. And she came from a wealthy family. That's exactly right. And abandoned the inheritance That's in order right. to become a nun. Yeah. So, you know, so, so yes, she's successful and uh, absolutely never going to diss someone that chooses to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's this narrative that is running around in America today that Ken and I are both fighting against all the time on the career side that says, um, well, if I work for a nonprofit and make half of what I'm worth, that somehow I'm holier. No, it was just a dumb choice. You're not holier. Or, well, you don't really mean that as a dumb choice. You don't mean that. If you choose to work for a nonprofit because you care deeply about that work and you could take the same skill set and make double in the corporate world, but you choose to do it in that space because you love it and you apply that to your life and you change your lifestyle. That's not dumb, but that's also not well, saying that it, it's that what is dumb is the idea that the only way that you can do something that is of a higher calling and that has meaning is to make no money. I agree. With that, that is just not true. I 100 percent okay? agree. I'm, I'm living proof that that's right. not true. That's right. I've helped millions right. and millions of people and I made a lot of money. Right. Making a lot of money was not the main goal. Helping millions That's of people correct. was, and, and but that you know, I'm just I'm. But we're also citing we have done Ramsey Solutions at Dave's urging the largest study ever of net worth millionaires. The fourth largest group are school teachers. So third. they're not dumb. Third largest, yeah. Third, yeah. I apologize. Third, they, but they, the point no, here no, is I, I, my point. You my, didn't mean what that. I meant is the idea is dumb that you have to make less for it to have meaning. Yeah, it's incomplete. It's it's you're right. It's, it's a not false. Accurate. It's that's accurate. Right. It's a yeah. false narrative. Yeah. And so that's what I want to push back against. And if you make thirty five thousand, if you make the same exact amount of money, unless you're Mother Teresa and you took a bow of poverty, uh, if you're if you're in a career field and you make exactly the same for thirty years, that by definition means you are not progressing. Yeah, there should be. Some you're not getting that's better, right. that's and correct. that's not okay either. Yeah, that's correct. you need to be getting better. You need to be better in your service to humanity, better mm-hmm. in the level of meaning that you're getting from the work, better in your excellence, better in the scale of what you're doing. If helping three stray dogs is a good thing, then helping 3,000 of them is a better thing. That's right. Okay? So, I mean, whatever it is you're doing, that, you know, you, you should be getting better at it. You should be progressively, yes. the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. It's a really good definition. So One so, of the best. So, cool question. Yep. Cool question and a good discussion. 
But uh, don't let people sell you this idea that that the only thing that is is good it is unproductive. Quite the contrary. This is the Ramsey Show. Hey guys, whether you're starting on a card table like I did or well on your way to becoming a multi-million dollar company, NetSuite can help your team communicate and plan ahead better like they do for Ramsey. Let me tell you, NetSuite really helped us get our systems together and more than 37,000 other companies also use NetSuite to know their numbers and their business better. So check out NetSuite today and find out how they can help you become the business you want to be five or 30 years from now. And right now you can download NetSuite's free KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. We're so glad you're here. Hey, listen, guys, there's a lot of things going on. Inflation, high interest rates, student loans are kicking back in. We just passed a trillion dollars in credit card debt for the first time in history. Wow. A lot of people doing a really crummy job with their money. You know what you don't do? No one does a crummy job on purpose. Doing a crummy job is when you hit the default button and just coast. You know what on purpose is in money? It's learning to do a budget. The Every Dollar Budgeting app will do that. You can sit down and start using that. Jade Washaw did a webinar today that was free on how to do a budget, including an irregular income. 10,000 people showed up for that webinar today. Thank you. Wow. So we'll do it again. Rachel Cruz is going to do one of these webinars, teaching you how to do a budget. And uh, Rachel's been teaching Every Dollar for many years. And uh, the irregular income thing and unpredictable income and how to work the baby steps into your budget and all that, how to work with your spouse on a budget. Rachel's going to cover every bit of that Tuesday, August 15th. That'll be this coming Tuesday at 1230 p.m. You can sign up for free for the webinar. And Rachel's goal, of course, is to draw more people than Jade. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how this works around Ramsey. I'm just saying. So check it out. Everydollar.com slash budgeting every dollar.com slash budgeting and you're actually allowed to come to more than one of these if you want guess what george will be doing one later so hey every dollar.com slash budgeting sign up for the free webinar this coming tuesday august 15th with rachel cruz elizabeth is in boston hi elizabeth how are you i'm good how are you thanks for taking my call dave sure what's up Um, Yeah, so I am wondering, I found you last week, um, and I am on baby step two, and I am wondering if I should be buying life insurance beforehand, or if I should be waiting to, after baby step two, I do have a $25,000 company funded life insurance policy. I don't know if that's good enough, or if I should be buying one um, that's, you know, more for the future. If you have a life insurance need, it is not a baby step. It's a necessity in your budget. Yep. So you just put it in there okay. as soon as possible. Okay. Now, do you have children? No, I am single and no children. Okay. Do you have, how much debt do you have? I have 44700 in debt. Okay. You don't have a lot of need for life insurance. Yep. Because no one is dependent upon your income. 
25000 would take care of your final expenses, like, for instance, your parents would have a horrible tragedy on their hands and have to cover the burial and that kind of stuff. Twenty five k would take care of that. It would clean up a few of these debts. They'd sell off your stuff. Uh, I think yep. you're fine right now. I wouldn't. I don't think you need to be a bunch of life insurance. Even if you had hundred thousand dollars in the bank and no debt, I, I particularly then I wouldn't uh, go yeah. buy life insurance. But I, you know, the big thing life insurance is for is if you're leaving someone behind that is dependent financially on your income. Okay. Yeah. So you would wait until you I, I, I wouldn't have buy it at all. Dependence. I wouldn't buy it at all in oh. your situation. Okay, that makes sense. No matter what. I mean, uh, now, again, you get married and you have two little kids. Yeah. If they're, your husband then is dependent upon your income to take care of these, feed these little kids. Yeah, absolutely. Then we start talking about life insurance and we go to xanderinsurance.com and we, uh, we always talk about the good rule of thumb in a family situation like that is to have 10 to 12 times your income on you, 10 to 12 times your spouse's income on them, 15 to 20 year level term insurance, never buy anything but term insurance is the way to go. And that covers you until you don't, uh, uh, until you have so much money and no debt that you don't have a need for insurance called self-insured. Stacy and I had been married just a couple of years when she went to work for Dave. And I remember sitting through Financial Peace University as a spouse. And I remember this lesson when you covered it. And I had not gotten life insurance at that point. And I want people to hear, this isn't just life insurance. This is peace of mind. I slept better that night knowing that if anything happened to me, Stacy was going to be fine. And it's just that. I want people to hear that. It really is peace of mind to know that uh, you're not leaving anything but grief uh, behind. And that's yeah, and don't, a big don't, step. Don't buy too much because yes. then you can't sleep at night because you have to stay awake to make sure that she... <laughs> that was a coming. crucial point in the teaching as well. <laughs> I did it to the book. I did it to the 10 times. 10 times. 10 yeah. to 12 times. 10 somewhere to 12 times. Yeah. yeah, you don't need 20 times. Right. We're not trying to leave people multi-million. We don't want to leave them better off debt. with you being gone. It's that's just a dangerous exactly trend, right? right. You know, so there we go. Open phones at 888-825-5225. James is in Phoenix. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, Dave, Ken, how are you guys doing today? Better than we deserve. What's up? Well, I'm, my question to you, Dave, is I have two cars that I owe a lot of money on, and I'm upside down, and I need to get rid of them so I can start paying off debt. I am drowning in debt. Mm. It's hard. Okay. Car number one is you owe what on? Car number one is uh, 30000 or excuse me, 31000 a little over 31000 Okay. And what's it worth? Uh, probably about 18 to 20. Where'd you get that number? Uh, I actually got it on uh, the blue, the dot com. Kelly the, blue book. Kelly blue book. K- yes. Okay. And is that a trade in value? Uh, honestly, I didn't know. I just got, that's the number that they gave me. I didn't really look into it. Hey, you need to look into it because the difference in trade in and private sales, five grand in this situation. Okay. It makes a lot of difference. Okay. So because what, what is that car? Uh, it's a Volkswagen T1. It's a what year? Uh, Twenty nineteen. Okay. Did you trade a negative equity car into that deal? Uh, we traded a a car that was paid off that just had repeat. It was actually an older T1, and it was no, I mean you didn't you didn't trade a hole into this this hole. So that eighteen thousand's wrong then. Okay, good. Good. Okay. So you, you didn't have like a $5,000 hole you were in on the other car. It was paid off. So it was a positive in the trade. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, from 2019, that that Volkswagen did not go down that far. Okay. So it, it's probably a $25,000 car, $24,000 car, something like that. So you need seven grand to get out of that. Who do you owe that money to? 
Who's the bank? Uh, credit Union, First Credit Union. Okay. What about the next car? Next car is a Jeep Renegade 2019. Mm-hmm. And I owe thirty, a little over 30000 on it. Mm-hmm. And what's it supposedly worth? I have not checked it yet. Okay. All right. So 2019 was a bad year for you on cars. Pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, who's that loan with? Same, same company first. Good. Good. And this is a credit union in your town. Yes, sir. Good. Phoenix, Arizona. Good. Okay. So let's, let's pretend you're 7,000 bucks or 7,500 upside down on each of them. That's $15,000 in a hole you're in. Correct. Yes, sir. And you have $60,000 worth of debt and 15,000 of it's not secured because there's not enough car value to cover it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you need to go in person to the credit union, sit down with a credit union manager and show them what you've got. And here's what you say to him or her. Mm-hmm. You have a 45, you have $45,000 worth of collateral. So effectively you have a $15,000 unsecured loan, Mr. Credit union manager. Mm-hmm. You following me here? Yes, sir. Does you owe 60? The assets aren't worth but about 45, give or take. Okay. So what I would like to propose to you is that we sell both of these cars and reduce the loan here by as much as the cars bring. 100% of what the cars bring is going to come into you. And I'm going to sign a note for the difference. So when we're finished, you'll still have an unsecured note, but you'll have someone who's much better able to pay it because it's a much smaller loan. Mm-hmm. You understand the logic that you're pitching to this credit union manager? I'm writing it down now, yeah. Yeah. They already have an unsecured note. We're just admitting it. That's all we're trying to get them to do. And it reduces your debt from 60 down to 15, give or take, in this scenario. And then you're going to have to get you a couple thousand dollar garage sale cars to drive for a little while, which is going to be a big old emotional punch in the nose from a $30,000 car to a $1,000 car. You're going to feel like a poor person. Well, you are. So we're trying to not be poor anymore. That's the idea. So we're trying to reset that. This is The Ramsey Show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but... Fruit chews and veggie tips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear, and that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Tristan is with us in Albany, New York. Hi, Tristan. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello. So excited to speak with you. You too. What's up? So I was calling because I want to know uh, or maybe get any advice on how to use the money that I have saved to make me 
more money rather than just letting it sit in a savings account and do nothing. Good question. How much money have you saved, Tristan? So I I have money kind of um, I've, I've been trying in the last couple months to to put it in different places. So um, if I just looked at all of the money that I have that is free to be put wherever I please, um, it's sixty eight thousand dollars. Good for you. Okay. And what do you make? <laughs> uh, I, I don't make much actually. I'm I'm still in graduate school. So mm-hmm. um, what are you studying? I, uh, I, I study mathematics. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, that's another question. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm kind of at a crossroads with my career and and what I want to do with. Well, what uh, is the grad school program? It's mathematics. You're going to get a PhD in math it's, or math. Yes, sir. Yeah, a, PH, a so, PhD in math. But uh, I, I'm debating on whether I'm I'm going to continue that or just finish with a master's or not. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at a crossroads. Okay. But um, I have ha- I've been saving a lot of money, mm-hmm. and uh, where's the money coming from? So I, as a part of a graduate student, I I get uh, like a salary basically. It's twenty three thousand for this year, but I do summer work uh, for the Air Force, um, which was seventeen thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. And uh, before, as an undergrad, I I have worked the whole time, so. I have been working and saving, and that's where the money has been coming from. All right, so, so quick question before we dive into the money piece, and, and I can talk to you about the work piece after that, but when you say, I'm considering not finishing, what's that timeline look like? How much do you have left where you're deciding between the doctorate versus to the master's? How far along are you? Yes. So if I finish my master's, it'll be one more year, and then I can start my career. Uh, if it's my doctorate, it it's not really a set time. It could take uh, three to five more years. Okay. In this case, is the difference in the doctorate and the master's not just a dissertation? Uh, it's it's basically a dissertation. Why would that take three to five years? Write your dissertation. <laughs> it's uh, it, it, because even after you're done with coursework, you you have to learn a lot more material outside of what is taught in classes. And that can you have to learn enough to get a dissertation done. Yes, sir. Yeah. The, the difference is, do I want to be a professional student or do I want to get my PhD? Exactly. So get right. your PhD. Get, go do the dissertation. It does not take three to five years. It takes 12 months. Get it done. But what happens is people drag their butt around. That's why I was asking about that. And don't, I, you know, you're, you're that close. Depending on what you want to do with your life, if you want to teach right. in the, yeah. in the, in the, uh, at the university level, you're going to need the PhD. Right, right. But I don't think you're sure of it. If you're going to be a financial analyst on Wall Street, nobody gives a crap between the two. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's that's where I I think I've had this dream of getting a doctorate because it's an accomplishment and it's something that I can say that I did and worked hard for. Well, Dr. Tristan, I mean, come on, buddy. I mean, yeah. But but you need to have a reason so, to you need to have a reason to do it because you're running out of steam. I can hear it. So um, yes, <laughs> you know, and, and the only reason to do it is if Ken Coleman says, okay, in this career field, right. you're going to need a PhD. Yeah. But in that career field, you're right. not. Then don't. Then I wouldn't screw with it. I really wouldn't. And my guess is, Tristan, tell me if I'm wrong. My guess is the fields that require the PhD aren't 
They aren't the dinner bell for you. You're not excited about them. Is that true or false? Yeah, that's that's true. That's that's true. I I think I realized how much work it is and the uh, trade off for the amount of pay. Exactly. Uh, and there you I go. and and I just said, what am I doing? Kind of. <laughs> so well, that, that's what you always measure with yeah. academics. Other than the the benefit of just having you know completed something the accomplishment of it, the DR in front of your name, all that stuff. But the, 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 the real benefit of academics, the primary benefit is what, how's it change your income situation? So whatever the academic thing is. So yeah, yeah it's from paycheck to purpose is Ken's book. We will send you a copy. So when we finish talking, we'll put you on hold and uh, Austin, the gang in the booth will pick that up and get, get that for you. Now at, for savings, there's three things philosophically you can do with savings. Number one, you can have a pile of money set aside to cover for emergencies, and you should. A good rule of thumb is three to six months of expenses as an emergency fund. Number two, we thing we use savings for is to buy things. We save up and buy a house. We save up and buy a couch. We save up and buy a car, and so on. And these are all real things that are coming at you. So you need some savings to move towards those things. The third reason we save is not really saving. It's called investing which is really what you're calling right. about is how do I make this money work a little harder for me? How do I make it make some money? So some portion of the 68,000 needs to be invested. And that's where you would start looking at retirement. Are you out of debt? So, yes, that's, that's one of the things that I have not, I have not worried too much about staying in school because I have worked and I have gone scholarships and I have gone to colleges where I have graduated debt free. I've never taken out a loan. And, Good. Uh, then I, you can, I've you know, you can start off. with a, some, some Roth IRAs and some good growth stock mutual funds. Let that money grow completely tax-free for your retirement years. Some portion of that needs to be there. And those mutual funds, uh, you know, if they average what the stock market has averaged over the last 80 years, will be 10 to 12% rate of return. You're probably getting spit or maybe you're getting 4% on some kind of high yield item or whatever, but you're still losing your butt. So a portion of it needs to be invested in that type of thing. A portion of it needs to be set aside for making the transition into your new career, you know, getting an apartment at the new city, uh, deposits, the move, those kinds of things. A portion of it is used for emergencies only, and you need to set that aside. And so I would divvy the 68 up among those three categories or buckets and uh, sit down with a SmartVestor Pro. You can find somebody that we recommend to help you that we call them smart investor pros at, at ramseysolutions.com they'll help you get that roth ira up and moving but more important than the question you called about by far is the question ken is posing to you and that is what are you going to do with your life man yeah, yeah and you've got to decide here there's a couple things to look at look at what do i do very well you've chosen mathematics you've been a good student there's something that intrigued you about numbers i'd start digging into what comes naturally to me what i enjoy doing then you begin to look at what does work do at the end of the day work does two things it solves a problem or it meets a desire and so when you begin to go all right dave what like what what problems do i want to solve with this talent of numbers and i'm just making this up with him but we begin to see the clues like that and we say all right I get fired up about solving this problem or meeting this desire. Let me tell you what we can tell from what he told us. He's not thrilled about teaching numbers. He's not. That's just not something he's really fired up about. That PhD leads him a couple of pathways forward. I did not hear him spending his life in academia. I did not either. I didn't hear that in his voice, but right. I could be wrong. 
I could be wrong. I agree. So I was a math nerd, but, um, you know, highly money-motivated math nerd. Mm -hmm. And so immediately that meant I didn't get a degree in math. Right. I got a degree in finance instead. Exactly. Um, and because I was money motivated, I'm, I'm looking how I can make some money. Um, but you le- love instructing. You love teaching. Yeah, oh, I do. I do. And I love. And I love math. I'm, I, yeah. It's a. It's a gifting yeah. area. Same so look at so, Dave. This is a combo. So Dave's gifted at communication, but he's also gifted with finance and numbers. It's just unbelievable. But what he loves to do is teach, guide, coach. That's who he is. You ought to see this guy try to teach people to water ski. He's, he's as passionate about that as he is teaching you how to win with your money. That's the combo. What is he good at? What does he love to do? When those two come together, there's a whole lot of world at work where you can go out there and make a contribution and make plenty of money doing it. Hey, he probably needs to take that assessment. He does. Hang on. We'll get you the Get Clear we'll get Assessment. The Get Clear that. Assessment. Yeah. And, yeah, that'll help, too. We'll get you that and his book both. This is The Ramsey Show. You know, I get lots of questions about ID theft since it's a huge problem. Most people just worry about financial fraud, which is a big mistake. Tax refund fraud, for example, is out of control. Last year, the IRS paid out over $10 billion in fraudulent refunds. Thieves are stealing your refunds. They're also hacking into accounting and tax preparer firms to steal your personal information and use it for all kinds of fraudulent activities that aren't detected by pricey credit monitoring and prevention plans. That's why Xander's ID theft plan is the only one I've ever recommended or used. They cover all types of ID theft, including tax refund fraud. Plus, they take over the work if you become a victim, protecting your money if you get hacked. They even protect your kids for free on their family plan. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. It's just the smartest, most affordable way to go. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host. Thank you for being with us, America. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Lucas is in Midland, Michigan. Hi, Lucas. How are you? Good, Dave. Good, uh, good, Ken. How are you guys doing today? Good. Better than we deserve. What's up? Perfect. Well, first off, thank you for uh, taking my call. It is uh, much appreciated. Sure. Sure. Uh, before I get to my question, I'll just give you guys a couple, or a little bit of a backstory with numbers. Um, we are currently a family of three uh, with one on the way coming April of 2024. I am 29 and my wife is 31. <clears throat> currently, we're making... Uh, take-home pay, $13,500 per month, which does not include my wife's uh, quarterly RSU stock options that comes out to about $20,000 a year or $5,000 a quarter. Greater than 60% of my of our income comes from my wife, and I just dropped down part-time as an ICU nurse um, because I'm going to nurse practitioner school coming up end of August. Um, the VA is paying 100% for it, um, so I won't take on any more debt. Um, and they'll actually pay me a stipend of about $950 per month. We're newly debt-free, just entered baby step three, um, August 1st, after paying about $121,000 off worth of debt. Um, we will have our fully funded emergency fund or six months by December 1st, and then we'll be transitioning, obviously, into baby step four, five, and six. My wife's the bread maker, and over the last year and a half, two years, there's been a couple of rounds of layoffs, um, and with my wife being the bread maker, me going back to school um, and then working part-time, it just has me a little bit nervous as we work our way towards paying off our mortgage early. Um, during school for the first year and a half, 
Um, our cash margin will be $7,000, um, and that is after retirement and funding two 529s for um, our kids. Um, once I graduate school, though, I'll ha- our margin will be about $8,300 cash. We currently have a home mortgage at 460000 Okay, at 3%. L- Lucas, what's your question? So my question is, would it be okay for us to go ahead and bump our emergency fund to 9 to 12 months? And Why? Then, um, once we- Why? My biggest concern is... My wife's losing her job. How many times has she lost her job? Never. Okay. You're a worry ward. I am very much a planner. Um, no, you're a worry ward. Probably so. <laughs> probably, probably so to a fault. You know, with us being newly out of debt, um, you know, I, I think that has a lot to play in it. Obviously. Hey, listen, if you give me a probability that she's got a 50% or better chance of losing her job, We'll talk about getting ready for that storm, but right now this is just you. Just you're just a planner. That's all this is, and you're you're great. You're very intentional. You know your numbers. You're amazing. You guys have done a great job. I'm picking at you. I was having some fun with you, but congratulations. I'm proud of you. You've done a wonderful job. If you want to save that, you can do whatever you want to do. You're a grown up. I wouldn't if I were in your shoes. I don't think it represents. Uh, anything except you are just overly conservative and you're, you just worry, you just fret about things. And the, the, the change with the new baby coming, there's going to be four kids in the house, the change with you stepping back in income while you're stepping up into this new role. By the way, I think your, your field of studies, brilliant. I would go that way. I love it. It's got a great upside. You're going to make, you're going to make really good money. You can help a lot of people. Uh, you can add value to a lot of people's lives. So you, everything in this situation is positive, and, and it's just there's a lot of stuff coming at you, and the only way you knew to kind of buffer that emotionally was pile up some extra cash. If you want to, you're not. it's not going to cause you to to never be wealthy. It's not dumb. It, it's just I, I, I'm just calling you out on it's not necessary. Lucas, what I would no, have no. you do – Lucas, I want you to take that planner in you. Dave's right. you got a lot of worry and a lot of fear in this. But let's take the planning and let's say, all right, what would happen? What would we do? What would my wife do if she got laid off? Now, that I like. It's like the idea of going on the plane, and they always tell you, if we were to have a landing, uh, a water landing, this is what we would do. And I think it's always smart for you guys to just walk through, not from a place of worry, but from a place of preparation. Well, the idea is, if she were to get laid I'm, off, I'm just thinking what about the would, jokes. Uh, I know, I know. But what would she do? What would you two do? I mean, she would go get another job. Exactly. I mean, you that's... wouldn't even have to touch the emergency fund. Knowing how disciplined the two of you are, you guys have proven it. So think about that, and don't be worried. Be prepared. There's a difference. Well, he's trying to get prepared. That's what he's thinking. But oh, yeah, I get but, it. But, yeah, but I'd like that energy going towards. All right, would it be the end of the world? What would she do? The she thing, has the thing lots is, of options. If you if you'll go to Ken to Ken's point, if you project out what reality looks like not what the atom bomb dropping on your house looks like Mm -hmm. Uh, and reality looks like she probably is off a month or two gets another job um and gets a big severance package and so you end up coming out ahead that's that's your high probability if something went down like this but um but yeah if if you guys want to do this it's not the end of the world is it financially is it good financial planning? Is it necessary? Are you being – no, you're just overplaying your hand. That's all you're doing. So uh, you can do it. You're grown up. You're smart people. You make a lot of money. 
There's nothing wrong with what you're talking about, but you asked, so we'll always tell you the truth because we love you. All right, Kaylee is with us in Grand Rapids. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. What's up? Um, I am calling because uh, my husband and I, we are in baby steps uh, four, five, and six right now. Good. Um, we are looking to, in the future, um, move from our current house to another one. Good. Um, and wanted some advice on, on that. Um, we don't need to move right now, but we would like to move to a lake. We know you like lakes, yeah. so you might also appreciate this. Um, we, um, we came across a house that we would potentially pay around 700000 Oh, for, so this went and, from um, future theory to we're doing it now. <laughs> well, <laughs> sort of. Um, we're not sure, and that's why, we're, that's why I'm calling. Um, so I can give you kind of our stats. What would um, your house bring? The house we live in right now? Yes, ma'am. We think we could sell it for um, at least four hundred. And what do you owe, owe on 160, it? One sixty. Okay, so you got one hundred and forty, hundred, hundred thousand dollars worth of equity, give or take. Okay, and the other house you're talking yeah. about purchasing on the lake is how much? Uh, Seven hundred. Woo. Okay, and what do you guys make yeah. a year? Uh, around two seventy. Good. Good. Okay. Well, you you probably know our rule of thumb. If you don't, it is that. If you buy a home with a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage and the payment is no more than a fourth of your take-home pay, and your take-home pay being after taxes, not after everything that they deduct at work, okay, but after taxes, if your take-home pay and your house payment on a 15-year fix is no more than a fourth, then you're okay, and you reach over and do that. I think you're okay. See, when we do the math, it doesn't seem... When we do the math, to us, a 30-year is, I mean, I know, I know what you recommend. I wouldn't buy a 30-year. If you got to do a 30-year, don't, don't move. Well, and that's, I think, right now, we're like, well, with With the payment with come rates, out? Like, $650,000 payment, or $650,000 debt, what's the payment come out? So our math, it looks like it'll be around, for a 30, it'd be around 30. Honey, we're not 90. doing a 30. What was the 15? No, $15,4700. Yeah, and your take home pays what? Twenty? It's twelve after No, uh, not I on two seventy it's not twelve. You don't bring home one forty four out of two seventy. So you're talking about I after four oh one Ks and other stuff. Yeah. I'm so not talking about that. Okay. I'm talking about Okay. I said after taxes see. only. Okay. Okay. And we didn't do that math. Yeah. So I think that's where we went wrong yeah. because from your, our standpoint yeah. I've done the math. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so one fourth of your take home pay after taxes, not after 401k and health insurance, those are two different things. Okay. And not after I pay some bill at the credit union or I pay child support or whatever out of my check. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Sure. We're just talking about after taxes, that's the position you want to be in. And you do a 15 year Kaylee or don't buy this house. You're making a mistake. Don't be playing footsie with 30-year mortgages you'll end up with one don't do it don't do it was i unclear i i think you got it this is the ramsey show
Hey, it's Ken. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey baby steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.